Hey there, so glad you hopped on to the Collide podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And every week I get to have a guest on who's experiencing God showing up and running right smack dab into their life and their circumstance and doing healing and bringing about purpose and hope and goodness. And so today is no different. I got to sit down with Brittany Kavanaugh and she just shared her story so authentically, a story of grief as she's lost multiple family members in the last few years. And so we really talked about what does it look like to walk in grief in the middle of this holiday season when everyone expects you to be so joyous and happy and fun. And it was a great conversation. So if you're in a space where you are grieving a loss in any way, shape, or form, I hope that this conversation helps you. Or maybe you have a loved one, a friend or a family member who's walking through loss and grief. Listen to this with them in mind and hopefully it will help you to know how to better engage them. But I'm going to hand you this conversation with Brittany and you can take a listen. Brittany, it's so fun to hang out with you right smack dab in the middle of the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. So good to see your face. I know. It's been a long time. I um, think you're very brave to hop on here, but I'm excited to ask you so many things. I know that there are people listening. They're probably listening to this podcast while they're running to and fro doing their Christmas shopping and making their invite list for their holiday get-togethers, going to company, Christmas gatherings, all the things. And I'm just curious, what did you love about Christmas growing up? Well, I ask, um, Christmas, I think, was magical when my dad and my mom would get the tree out. We would go and get the tree. And this, like, in the season of my life now, my husband's allergic, so we don't get real Christmas trees. We get, gotcha. we get the fake ones. So looking back, I think just going out and getting that tree and then coming home and blowing up Christmas in the house, um, that is one of the memories that I just hold on to so much. I love that. Mm-hmm. I remember that too. My mom and I, I grew up with just my mom and I, her and I would go out, we'd cross country ski because we lived where it snowed a lot. So we cross country ski out into the forest we cut down a little Charlie Brown tree. We tie a rope around the the bottom and then tie it around our hips, right? And <laughs> our waist gosh. and then ski back in and set that thing up. But it did feel so magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a magical feeling to Christmas. So you got married and had kids. And I'm curious what traditions you guys have built. How have you tried to make it magical for your kids? I feel like... Um... Because we don't have that real tree, we've had to kind of blow up that experience of putting up the Christmas tree, um, letting them see what it's like to piece together that tree. Um, So just, I don't know, as soon as Thanksgiving's done or even before, depending on how long the kids will let us like hold off on the Christmas decor, we just get all the Christmas decorations out. But where we live has really magical lighted Christmas parade. And so for us... um, that's kind of the start of the Christmas season. We just take the kids and sometimes we're sitting in the car if it's raining and all the things, but um, just doing, I feel like it's just little things that we do that feel 
like a deeper sense of joy. I don't know, even driving around and looking at Christmas trees, sorry, Christmas lights. Um, it's just those simple little things, getting hot cocoa, making cookies and delivering them at people's houses randomly. It just, I, I don't know, all the little things are actually just more fun with kids. Yeah, it's such a fun time. The last few years have been pretty difficult for you and your family. And uh, I wanted to just take some time to talk about that because I know you and I are going to have a conversation around grief in the holidays. So can you invite us into your story and what it's been like in the last few years? Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, my grandma who our family's pretty small. So she was just like, all. she was our hero. She was our cheerleader. Um, she passed away November, I think it was 11th, um, in 2021. And so that was our first season of experiencing the holidays heavy. Um, but it was a natural thing for her at 94. I think, um, a lot of it's a blur in some ways, those details, but, um, for her to go to heaven, to be, called home. Um, so that season was hard, but yet the year after November 8th, within just a few days of that anniversary of my grandma passing, my dad suddenly, um, went home to be with Jesus. His heart stopped one moment he was here and the next he was gone. Um, and so that was our, yeah, I mean, that's just been the last year of life of living learning how to do holidays, learning how to be in a season where everybody's really happy and excited. Um, and yet we're walking through grief. Um, and then as we did all of that, my mom's mom passed away and my husband's grandfather passed away. So it's just been a year of loss or two years, really. It's been a lot, but I know that we aren't the only ones. So many people are experiencing losing multiple family members. It's it's crazy. I just uh, the last couple of years went through what I called the year of death. Mm-hmm. Two people passed away in my life, and it just sort of topples you. Like the only way I could really explain it was like there was such a fog over me that I didn't. I felt like I needed to like come out from underneath it to grasp air to breathe, but I didn't know if I ever would. Like, I didn't know if the fog would ever lift. How have you given yourself a permission slip to walk through your grief, be in your grief, sit in your grief while everyone else around you is trying to experience joy? Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think I just knew that the healthiest thing was to continue to face it head on. Um, People who had grieved loss before would remind me like grief is like a wave. And so sometimes you just feel those waves of grief and you have to just let them come. Because I knew that if I pushed it aside or dug down deep and was like, I'll deal with this after Christmas, next Christmas, then I would probably hit it head on again because it's one of those things where I feel like if you don't allow yourself to feel it it's just going to come back in other ways Um, and I also Mm -hmm. saw grief to be 
like a beautiful thing. Like I was grieving my dad. And so I wanted to feel it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I wanted to... Almost like it brought him honor to feel yeah. all yeah. the things that you missed and you loved about him. Yeah. Yeah. You found out your dad passed away suddenly. Mm-hmm. And what did it look like for you as a mom to grieve in, authentic, in an authentic way that was real without sort of hiding it from your children, but also not toppling them with it? Yeah. I think I could take that two ways. Um, I'll speak for a moment on that initial moment of finding it out and then moving forward. Um, so remind me if I get off track there, but just because I think that's one of those things where I hate that I had to walk through it, but I'm really grateful that I did. So I didn't traumatize, traumatize my kids. Um, but it was after school, I had missed a call from my mom. And, um, so the kids kind of their routine after school is to watch some TV, eat some snacks. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's what they were doing. So thankfully they weren't with me at that moment. Um, so I kind of went off to my own space and then, um, we actually, I called Jason. He was at like a realtor's, uh, celebration meal or something. And so he came home, but we right away actually just had some really good friends reach out because we weren't a hundred percent sure if he was gone at that moment, just with the delay, my family lives six hours away, um, outside of Salem, Oregon. So we, um, had some friends come over and just, or I don't even know, it was a blur, but they took the kids. And so in that moment, I was able to kind of hit that trauma head on without them watching it. Um, because I don't want them to be traumatized by then my response. You know what I mean? Um, but then Mm -hmm. I did immediately have to leave. So we actually didn't tell them my dad was gone. We just said, your papa's not doing very well. Um, so we just kind of took it a day at a time with them. Um, and then I was gone for about a week or two. I don't really remember, but Jason held down the fort for them. And so my husband, um, and so they just had a really safe place to kind of be as we processed what was going on so that they didn't have to carry the weight of all these questions. So that was kind of the initial way of handling the trauma of that moment. But then coming home, um, because the fog is a real thing, like it literally took weeks before I felt like I visually didn't see fog. Like it feels foggy. The world feels like it's completely different. Um, But I had to get up in the morning. Like I had to make lunch. I had to do those things. And I feel that it was a gift that I had them to take care of because it got me up in the morning. Um, But I wanted to show them that grief is important, that we're supposed to grieve the ones we love, that it's healthy, that our bodies need it. So there was times where they'd come in the room and I'd be like wiping my tears or whatever. And instead of like shaming myself, or of like, oh, Lucy, you know, like crying and letting her hear all the things. It was more or less like, you know what? Mommy's just feeling really sad right now. Um, mm-hmm. Are you missing Papa? Like we would just kind of dialogue about it for a moment, but I just never wanted to put big people feelings on little people emotions. 
So, um, there were times where I did just have to take a long nap and kind of say, Hey, mommy needs some time a little bit. I'm missing Papa. Or it was just, I didn't even say that. You know what I mean? Like I would just kind of take time or they just saw that I was going to the gym, but really I was like crying to go to the gym. Um, they saw the tears Mm -hmm. and they would cry and then we would kind of cry together. But I just, I wanted to show them that tears aren't weak. Um, feeling those emotions really matter. And so I would kind of let them share when they wanted to share. Um, or if like the kids were fighting, it was kind of like, are you like, somehow we would get down to it. Like I've just really worked on heart, like getting our kids to name their feelings. <laughs> Cause I've had to work hard as you know, through counseling and the things as an adult that it was like, okay, let's just teach them really young. Um, so sometimes even if they were fighting as siblings, they would finally come down to this place of being like, I'm just mad that Papa's gone. And so in that moment, it was like, good, let's talk about it. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Hmm. I hope. Yeah, totally. It's interesting to me. I, I, was meeting with a young college age girl once and she had basically admitted that she had gotten to a place uh, earlier that year where she was suicidal because of a series of disappointments. And it was a a crazy uh, thought to me that this woman who was uh, a leader, strong, successful, gifted smart, doing well in school, serving in a ministry, in a small group, had great roommates, all of the stuff had gotten to this place and no one knew. And, and I asked her, you know, how, how did you get to this place? And no one knew that you were struggling so badly. And she actually brought up her grandfather's funeral. And, and well, she first said, well, that's what I thought I had to be to be strong. And I said, well, how have you been defining strong and strength? And she said, well, I was at my grandfather's funeral and I looked down at the end of the pew and there was my grandmother, the matriarch of the family and all of our family sitting down the front row of the pew and everyone loved my grandfather so much. And I looked down at my grandmother and I knew my grandmother loved my grandfather. And she said, she didn't cry. And she said, I took that as that is strength, that I should not emote, that I should be strong, that I shouldn't have emotions, that I I shouldn't cry. And so she took that into her young adult life where she was just sort of uh, pushing down, stepping down her emotions and defining that as being strong. And so I think there's something really powerful to the image of you crying when you felt like crying with your kids and inviting your kids to cry and naming your emotions and helping your kids name their emotions. And that feels really messy um, sometimes as a mother, but I think it's also something that's deeply healthy, even though it feels like something you don't want to be doing. Yeah. Because I feel like it's in those moments, though, that it's like, this is where we get to see God move in our kids, like at a four-year-old, it's, it can feel like you're just shoving like, Oh, well, Jesus loves you. And like, you can just constantly talk about that. But I feel like it's when those hard moments 
or my eight-year-old is like getting to say to her, like, okay, well, let's talk to Jesus about that. Like he cares or those to me, I think are the beautiful moments that I didn't think I didn't realize was a part of grief. I'd always feared grief. Like I feel like my, uh, my, my fear of suffering caused so much anxiety for so many years. And yet seeing like what my greatest fear was like when it came true, I was able to see the way that God actually moves in the middle of that. And I want, and I hope that my kids now will get to always remember the faithfulness of God because of those moments, even though they were in their own like four-year-old perspective or eight-year-old perspective. I hope it carries that so that they feel the safety to be sad and grieve their griefs because it's not always death. It's not, you know, grief hits in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. You guys have experienced the last two years of the holidays in this grief with Mm -hmm. empty chairs at the table. How do you deal with the empty chairs at the table? And that's sort of, um, symbolic. Yes, there's quite literally empty chairs, but then there's all these other things that you probably did with your grandma and your father and your other grandparent that it brings up this emptiness. What do what do you do with that now? Well, I think last year was very different than this year. Last year was so it's so fresh it was so raw and so new um, that we actually gave ourselves permission to do these holidays extremely different. Um, recognizing that Christmas wasn't going to be the same. We weren't going to be going home to Oregon to be with our family to do my father daughter Christmas date that I've done since I was like three or four, just me and my dad. Like there were so many things that have completely been stripped away and they're gone that it's, we've had to give ourselves, I've had to give myself permission to be okay with not doing them. Um, Mm. and so it'd be, so like last year we did Christmas here in the Pacific upper North. (laughs) Where are we? Six hours outside of Seattle. Mm. (laughs) Um, to, to do it here where not everybody was with us. And we, um, we still did, we still did gifts. We still wanted to make it magical for the kids because they were like, it's still Christmas. Um, but yet it was, I think it was just giving permission to be sad. Um, because there's just no avoiding the feeling of that lack. So last year was very different. Um, we even didn't get together for Thanksgiving. We just were like, let's just go our own ways. We're all going to kind of do stuff with friends so that we don't carry the responsibility of (laughs) Thanksgiving. And we kind of almost pretended that it wasn't Thanksgiving. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was just like, this is also just another day and it's going to be okay if it doesn't look the way it has forever. Um, but then this year we've, as we fast forward and we've been able to all heal to a certain extent, we're ready to now get together and do Christmas together. But my mom sold, um, 
our childhood home, that magical home that I grew up in. It was so dark and empty for her. She couldn't move forward and heal without it. So Christmas this year um, will now be at her new home with my brother and it'll look totally different and there will be that empty space but it's just almost like giving permission again or I don't even being invited in like okay this is a new season um we will never forget what life was like without dad but he would still want us to celebrate um mm-hmm. he wants us to move forward and give joy to the kids and to love on each other because so much more matters um than just the magic of Christmas that we've made it being together is what matters. And so it's just accepting the way that it'll be and realizing there's going to be some really hard moments. I don't even know. I feel like I'm still kind of preparing myself for Mm -hmm. what it'll be like. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, you're talking about letting go of old ways, old traditions, old stories in some sense and building new traditions. And I, I actually love, even though it, it sounds very difficult. I love that you gave yourself permission for as long as you needed to, to not just go straight to building new traditions. I think there's this thing that we do where we're just, and other people sometimes expect us to do it, where they want us to just sort of like pretend for everybody that you're fine. So we can move to the joyous part of the, you know, the joy chapter, because this is down in the dumps. And I love that you just gave yourself a holiday to say, you know what? no, we're not going to do that. Like we've lost so much and we're going to make space to sit in that. Yeah. And now it's so interesting that here you are a year later and you're like, okay, we are going to build some new traditions in yeah. some new spaces doing new things, yeah. which I'm sure there'll still be grief in that as well, but also some, some hope and some joy and some newness happening. As women, we have diverse stories, experiences, and backgrounds, but we all share the universal experience of pain. We all have baggage, grief, fear, insecurities, disappointment, and unmet dreams. At Collide, we aren't afraid of the mess and pain that life inevitably brings. In fact, we enter into pain because we are certain that God does too. The Counseling Bundle online course will meet you right where you are with practical tools to help you find healing and hope. This course features 12 sessions of video content from licensed mental health counselors, a registered dietitian, and a calling and career coach. With over seven hours of instruction that cover a wide range of topics, you'll receive expert advice from therapists who specialize in what you're working through. You'll also receive a printed workbook with space for taking notes, as well as helpful worksheets, guided reflection questions, and goal-setting tools to help you on your journey toward health and wholeness. A healthy life and spirituality is possible, and these sessions with therapists will help you take actual steps toward the life you desire. We believe that everyone deserves access to authentic healing and practical resources, which is why we're offering all of this for just $99, the price of what one therapy session would normally cost. 
Don't wait any longer to take that first step toward your healing journey. Check out our counseling bundle today. Visit our website at wecollide.net slash counseling bundle to learn more and enroll now. Our link is in the show notes. Build some new traditions in some new spaces doing new things, which I'm sure there'll still be grief in that as well, but also some some hope and some joy and some newness happening. Oh yeah. I mean, even like, I, I think I just, I want to just give so much hope because I remember last Christmas and being like, is this going to be Christmas forever? And even still, I mean, just the other day, my husband was like, oh, thinking of just the things that he won't get to do with my dad that he would always do. And the, so there's these moments where you're like, oh yeah, that's gone too. Or that's gone too. But then it was like, but we get to do this. And like, we actually put up the Christmas tree on like, I don't even know. It was like the 14th. My four-year-old every day was like, let's put up the Christmas tree. Let's put up this Christmas. And he just beat us down so much with it that it was like, let's do it. Let's bring the joy. Like, let's start over. Let's have fun. Um, And it felt really good to want to celebrate. like. Christmas again. It felt really good mm. to want to just be okay holding sorrow in one hand, but also holding joy. We were There's ready. so many rich traditions that I think we don't think about. As you're talking, I'm thinking about the loss of my mom, which has been really complex because she was an alcoholic and she was terribly difficult and um, wounded me in a lot of ways. And um, I've had to give myself permission to say those things out loud. And at the same time, I, I found even this, you know, last couple of weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, I was making her peanut butter pie recipe. And I wasn't expecting to feel emotional as I was, you know, starting to cook for Thanksgiving. And then I opened up this cookbook and I saw her writing on, even talking about that, I feel emotional, like her writing on her recipes. And there was this, because she owned a cafe, there was this list of all the cafe specials. And each each one brought up even memories of like the different dishes she served them in and times I had had them. And, meals I requested on my birthday and all of these things. And um, when we went to get our Christmas tree, we do this tradition in our family where everybody, once the tree's up, not once it's decorated, once it has lights on, all of a sudden four gift bags appear underneath the tree. And it, they're just, um, each person gets a Christmas decoration, but it kind of ties in with like something that happened for them in that year. And um I, I got like my daughter, she is at OSU this year and she's a cheerleader. So I got her something that ties in with that and everyone got different things. And I opened mine and usually Rob like thinks about it, like, you know, last minute something at the grocery <laughs> store on his way home or something. So I wasn't expecting anything. And all of a sudden I opened it up and it was a butterfly and it's too long of a story to talk about that right now. But 
um, something deeply symbolic happened for me the year before my mom died and at her graveside funeral has to do with butterflies. And I just started bawling and we had friends over decorating the tree. And it was like the kind of crying where like you feel like you could go into like diesel baby crying and not be able to stop. Um, so these things kind of come out of the blue with the holidays because your entire story has been deeply woven and it's so connected to these people that you have done life with, that you love, and these things as simple as recipes and um, decorating the tree and traditions are so, um, they can catch you by surprise. Have you had these kinds of moments that oh, I'm yeah. trying to put words around? Yeah. I love, I mean, I love your story and I love, I love that your husband was on it this year. I just love it that he figured out that he got that butterfly because, man, that is just so beautiful and so perfect. Um, but, yeah, this actually happened on Thanksgiving just a couple of days ago. We are our fam. So we were with my husband's family and the in-laws, the kids, the cousins, they were sick. And so they weren't able to come up. So our Thanksgiving whole celebration got swapped around again and it, would, it didn't really happen. So we ended up with some really good friends at their table because their family was sick. <laughs> so it worked out beautifully. But the day after, um, we just weren't able to meet with the rest of the crew. And so I remember just sitting on the couch. Um, I was reading while everybody was watching football. And literally out of nowhere, I just was, I just got that same cry that you had where it was like, this could go ugly and dark. Where are these tears coming from? And I didn't even quite understand. I think I just was hit with disappointment that like our Thanksgiving here was even weird, you know, cause you gear up for those holidays, you gear up, like it's going to be good. It doesn't matter. And then when it didn't work out, I just, I just felt so sad, but really that wasn't actually what I was sad about because kids get sick and things come up. And that's like, that's um, my journey of motherhood. But what I was sad about was that I will never come downstairs at my parents' home where we were raised and see my dad making mashed potatoes and seeing him do everything he could to help my mom in the kitchen. Um, and just seeing his pride for me in whatever I would contribute. Um, he was just like my biggest cheerleader. He was just so fun and so cool that everything we did, he was like, look at that apple pie. And then we cut into it. I was 21, 22. And it was like, they were hard apples. That wasn't good. But it was just <laughs> those, those moments where like, you're just hit with the realization that like, I will never experience that again on this side of heaven. But it takes time sometimes for those. I actually didn't, understand why I was crying. I thought it was, I was like, well, it was a sad part in the book. Um, or maybe I'm tired and my kids have just learned. They all like, everybody just looked over at me and I was like, I'm good. Fine. And then my daughter, Lucy's like, you need a tissue mom. She goes and gets tissues. Like, I'm just like, okay, I got this. Like let them see the tears. But sometimes you don't want to weep. Like sometimes you just don't want to do that because <laughs> it's heavy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, those, those waves hit. But one thing I have learned though, is like our bodies are needing to release the, the sorrow too. And like, there's like, I think that's one of the things my mom and I learned, 
I love learning about how our bodies are connected to our souls and like how we suffer than our bodies, our lungs, our different organs. Like I could just go on and on about that. But I've learned a lot through how our bodies suffer when we're grieving. But when we cry, we release like toxins. So tears of sorrow release a different thing than tears of joy. And so our bodies need to release that. So I've learned that when you cry, you just let those tears come. Um, but it was it's a weird thing to have happen when you feel like everything's fine or you feel like it's a beautiful moment and then the tear and the sorrow comes. You just kind of let it ride. You let it come. You let it go. And I feel like the, the more I let that wave hit me and I just kind of sit in it, the sooner it does settle that makes sense there's a funny thing we do when that happens where i know crying is okay i know crying can be good for me but when it gets like where i'm gonna start like losing it or ugly cry it's almost like i go into i need to protect these people yeah from feeling uncomfortable oh yeah and so this is a thing we do in grief a lot where we're trying to manage other people emotions when we can barely handle our own. How often have you felt tempted to try to keep yourself together so other people can feel comfortable or to pretend everything's fine so other people could experience joy? Hmm. Or even, I mean, I've heard of people who they felt like they had to never laugh or never have joy or never have fun because other people expected to see them sad 24 seven for like a long period of time. So Mm -hmm. there's this weird thing where we're managing other people's comfortability and expectations while grieving. Yeah. I can tend to be a people pleaser. And so definitely, I mean, in that moment, I looked at my father-in-law, I was like, I'm good. Just fine. (laughs) Don't worry about me. Mm -hmm. When really I probably should have taken that moment to explain a you know, a tiny bit and not feel bad from, because he had literally just walked into the house and just walked into the room and I'm over there like, I'm good, you know? But yeah, I was trying to kind of protect them from the embarrassment of it hitting. How do you protect yourself from trying to manage other people's emotions and uncomfortability, right? I I feel like I actually haven't learned it yet. This um, last spring, fall, nope. Yes, fall. I went on a weekend away with my best friends and it was a mom's retreat. It was just the coolest thing. It was a conference and the whole drive down, we were all talking about all the things. But anytime, because we were driving to Bend, Oregon, where I grew up outside of Salem. So I know all about OSU. I love that everybody from my high school went to OSU. <laughs> Go Beeps. Go Beeps, <laughs> yes. everybody. Yes. Um, so when we were driving, there were so many spots where I was like, oh, I just felt like this reminiscing of my childhood. And the last time I'd been there was with my dad and my family and everything was perfect in that zone. I was a child and and we, I hadn't realized hard things fully yet. And so I felt embarrassed anytime I could feel myself kind of reminiscing or sharing more again about my dad. So I don't know that I've learned that. Because then they, my friends would say, it's okay. Like, we want to hear these stories. It's okay. You can tell us these things. So I think I haven't quite learned how to be okay. Because sometimes I feel like grief is so heavy and so real. And it's constant. 
it never, like, even if I'm feeling joy, I don't want to bring others down in those moments. But yet those are like my favorite moments because those are the beautiful things where we actually talk about the real things and other people feel a permission to talk about their own sorrow or their hard childhood or their hard experience with their parents' divorce or whatever. So I still think I'm learning. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I apologize a lot, I think, for myself in those great moments. It's interesting because I think there's this, you know, there's this book floating around. Everyone's like, it's okay to not be okay. And I think mm-hmm. we believe that. But is it okay to not be okay? in front of other people who don't seem okay when you're not okay. And I think yeah. that's the part that that's really hard for us. Yeah. Uh, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> Brittany, you've talked about your dad in such a, um, such an adoring way. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, what are you going to do as the holidays approach? What are you going to do to bring honor to your dad with your kids and husband and family I think I just want to show up I think that's one of the things that my dad was really good at he um, he would just sit and listen now he was a busy guy he worked a ton he had tons of hobbies so he wasn't like always just sitting and waiting for us <laughs> but when he would I feel like he just was there and he would just listen and so for my kids I felt like this year it was like last year I was in the fog and so Christmas shopping was like, okay, what do they want? What do they need? What can we afford? What's wise? This year is like, mm-hmm. I just, I mean, my, my parents loved to give us gifts. And so it's kind of like this year feels more like bringing that joy back of like, why do we give gifts in the whole, I mean, Christmas, as we all know, is not about presents, Christmas lights and Christmas trees. And yet, this has been more of a like a repurposing it all like it's just bringing joy our world is so heavy our stories can all be heavy even if we haven't lost a person we've all suffered and so i just want my kids to learn and see how to just have fun i'm curious as you think about people listening and they're in the midst of deep grief in a season where not only are we expected to be joyous, we are also hoping to experience some joy. What's your greatest advice for them in this season? I feel like what I kept learning over and over is that joy isn't actually just a feeling. Joy isn't being excited and happy. It was almost like constantly shifting my perspective Because looking at Christmas lights with the kids, I would still be in the front seat sometimes crying silent with tears (laughs) because a song would come on. And and so it was like I could feel myself fighting against it, being like, oh, that's not joy. I want joy for the kids right now. And it was like they they don't see every tear that I wipe. They see that I'm here with them, smiling. We're present. But I think it's just 
recognizing that I mean, joy is not just feeling happy. <laughs> joy mm-hmm. is so much deeper. It's about just recognizing that joy is contentment even in the middle of the heart. It's like seeing the beauty, seeing that I have these little people right here with me who love me and want to just do something fun. Or joy is like seeing that we have friends that left. Like one day I had a friend drop a pie and she just left a pie on my porch. It's like, those are those things I think that bring joy, but it wasn't this, it wasn't the same as it was before. It's like, it's so much deeper and richer. Brittany, as we come to a close, I'm just curious, you know, Clyde, you know this, we talk all the time about running into Jesus, colliding with Jesus. And we have this God who runs into our lives. We see it in the New Testament. I've experienced it in my own life, and I've heard so many other people where he runs into our lives as we are, whether mm-hmm. we're in the shadow of the valley of death or we're up on the mountaintop experiencing victory, whether we're weeping and in grief, uh, whether we're sick, we have a God who runs right into our lives. And I'm curious for those who are experiencing grief this holiday, we talked about Emmanuel, God with us. What's your encouragement in how we can experience this Emmanuel this season in the midst of grief? I feel like that is probably one of the main things I remember about my first Christmas in this season of real experiencing grief for the first time at a really deep level was that that was like the only source of life was like Emmanuel, God with us. Like he is the reason I could get up every morning and make the kids lunches and get my daughter off to school. Like he was with me when the tears would just flow out of nowhere. I feel like I experienced Emmanuel God with us in grief in a way that I never have experienced before. I remember on my dad's um, anniversary, meeting Jesus face to face, I had a moment of just such sorrow. But I almost felt in my spirit like savor this. And that might sound strange, so let me explain. But it felt like I needed to savor and wanted to savor what it feels like to be so sad and like longing for somebody so much that the only one I actually needed was Emmanuel, was God, who would fulfill every need that I could ever have. And I, w- I read this quote this morning by Elizabeth Elliot. My heart was saying, Lord, take away this longing or give me that for which I long. And the Lord was answering, I must teach you to long for something better. And I feel like that just hit me in such a way of recognizing that like the hardest part of grief was this longing that you can't, there's no way I can see my dad again here now. Someday when I go to heaven, whenever that is, I will be with him again. But it's almost replaced that perspective and put Jesus in that spot. Because my dad was pretty awesome. He was an amazing dad, but he wasn't perfect. And now he's gone. (laughs) And so now I'm experiencing the beauty of what it actually means to have God with us and the opportunity to recognize that the Holy Spirit is the one and only way I can find peace 
in those super dark, despairing moments. And I, one of the verses that I've said, I learned this in biblical counseling like eight or nine years ago. And I remember saying it over and over when I was struggling with anxiety super, super hard. Psalm 27, 13 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And so I remember I would go and do yard work, um, even though it was freezing. It's December. It was cold. And I just had this ache that like life was never the same. And I'd never experienced loss like this. And I would remember this verse and remember that like our purpose here, sorrow and suffering brings us to Jesus. Like those are the moments where I just needed him. And I just constantly would say that verse over, like I'm going to remain confident. Some of the different translations say, I would have despaired unless I believed. And so it's just that reality that it's like, but Jesus came as a baby. He was born to be Emmanuel, God with us, to show us like the entire story of the gospel of like that he is God with us. He is with us in the suffering and he is the one to give us hope. And I love this verse because it says that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So that doesn't just mean I will see the goodness of the Lord in heaven someday. It's, I will see the goodness of the Lord on earth. And that doesn't mean everything is wiped away. That doesn't mean that my dad will come back and we'll be back to normal. It's like, no, he is gone. And there is still so much hard and suffering and challenging that we all face of all different levels. But I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. And the goodness of the Lord comes in ways of, or like even just recognize that, Emmanuel, God with us, he's with us. I see him giving me the strength to get out of my bed today. That's the goodness of the Lord. Or God being with us, giving me the courage to share with like our, a widow, our neighbor, our neighbor that lost her husband. I saw the goodness of the Lord in feeling like somebody understood those emotions that I had. Seeing the goodness of the Lord, another neighbor across the street from me. She lost her mom five, six years ago. And the goodness of the Lord showed up in her just texting and saying, how are you doing? I just love, like, I feel like it's meshing the two together of like, the goodness of the Lord is that he gave us Jesus so that Jesus can walk alongside us in our suffering, in our sorrow. Love it, Brittany. There's so much we could talk about. I love your encouragement to look for him in the land of the living and also to have an eternal hope that I think death profoundly produces an eternal longing that we would not have without it. Yeah. I know for myself when my mom passed away, Never have I counted on more the promise we have that Jesus, he promises that he's making all things new and that there will be a day where I will, I will experience my mom fully whole, fully healed and no longer needing to them her pain. And I think there is something 
that happens when we experience such grief that produces a hope of eternity that I'm not saying we would choose for that, but it, it does happen for sure. Yeah. And I love that you're experiencing the manual show up to you in your grief. I know I have too, and I hope that those listening will experience him as well. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for letting me. Friend, there's a huge part of me that just deeply hopes that this podcast wasn't necessary for your life because I don't want any friend of mine to grieve and go through hardship. But I know that the likelihood is is that so many of us do experience loss and it often hits during the holidays or carries into the holidays or is triggered by the holidays. And so I hope that in some way this podcast interview will give you permission to enter into your own grief will help you to make space for you and all the feels you're feeling and will truly help you to look for the Emmanuel, the one who is often called the man of sorrows. Jesus, he wept with Mary and Martha. He cried tears of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was a man of compassion a man of empathy, and he is God with us. And so whatever you have going, my encouragement is that you would know God is with you. God loves you. God cares about you, and God can handle all of your feels. He can handle all of your emotions. And so often we wonder if he can because we've experienced that other people can't. But if I can promise you one thing today, it's that Jesus can handle your feelings. He can handle anything you bring to him. So my hope is that you'll keep colliding with him and experiencing him this holiday season. That he would enter your grief, he would enter your joy, he would enter your celebration, he would enter your heartache, and that you would allow him to meet you there. Keep colliding, friend, and we'll catch you next week.